Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Jazz do it again. They've now won 18 of their last 20 as they blow the Warriors off the court. Up by 14 after a quarter. They pushed the lead over 20 at the half, over 30 after three quarters. Totally dominated. We'll get to the best of the postgame show coming up in just a few minutes. Right now, though, PK and I talking with the former National League MVP, Dale Murphy, about all the baseball headlines. Derek Jeter to the Hall of Fame and, of course, the Astros and the Red Sox and the whole uh, cheating thing going on. Here is Dale Murphy with PK and I. Dale, good morning. Hey, DJ, PK, Happy New Year, guys. Happy 2020. I can't believe how much baseball there is in the news in January. This is unbelievable. It's great, isn't it? Well, some of it's good. Some of it is, some of it isn't. <laughs> some of it's good. The Hall of Fame stuff's good. The uh, Wow, the other stuff with Houston is uh, is something else. So... We're bitter, cynical media guys. I see Jose Altuve grab his shirt and, and read his lips, and I think, guilty, guilty, guilty. But you're not a bitter, cynical media guy. You got any plausible exp- explanation for that home run trot other than guilty, guilty, guilty? <laughs> uh, conspiracy theories are, are fun. We're, we must be wired as humans for conspiracy theories because uh, – I don't know. They're they're so addictive. I guess. Yeah. Um. I thought it, you know I'm just like with everybody else. It's weird. Um. The whole thing's weird. Um. He's you know I I don't know what else to say except we you know that part we don't know for sure uh, as far as the buzzer is concerned and things like that and what he's if he was wearing something under his shirt and why he ran into the locker room to change his shirt <laughs> I, I mean it's the whole thing's weird i i don't know i can't really say anything else than that um uh yeah i don't i don't even know what else to say i mean it the whole thing has been unfortunate i think the little mini press conference they did at their uh winter uh, baseball fest for the fans was was lacking um you know, uh, I I think the punishment was severe enough to where, you know, guys are not going to do this anymore. They got their manager fired, their general manager fired, a couple other managers fired. Um, but uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I understand the commissioner's situation, but, you know, I think Dodger fans are like, that's you know, it's not enough. I mean, you know, it's still lacking in what really needed to happen. Uh, It's different than the NCAA, you know, vacating wins and taking it. It's just different in a professional league. I understand that. But it's just, uh, you know, at a time when baseball just doesn't, if there's anything we don't need is something like this. Uh, Having a little challenges with uh, attendance last three years. Um, there's so many good things about baseball that are happening. Uh, and, and this group, I, I loved watching the Astros play. I loved it. You know, it's just, it's a big, it's a, it's a big, uh, I don't know how else to say it, but just a big downer right now. I'm wondering, though, 
that when you have bad situations, and maybe it's like this across the board, even in life, that good can come out of it. And I'm wondering, with the situations being what they are, with replays and technology, that it was almost to the point of being inevitable that something like this was going to happen because the temptation uh, combined with the desire to win are so great that we as humans, we give in eventually. And so it happened, and because of the pitcher coming out and telling us about it and then people media picking it up, it becomes a huge story. So now there'll be that internal cleaning it up, much like there was, not that we necessarily have eliminated completely and totally, obviously, steroids, but until they, which I think juiced the ball this year, you weren't having uh, light-hitting shortstops hitting 45 home runs the way we were 20 years ago. So in a sense, there's good that can come from it because it'll get cleaned up, and then we can get past it. Well, I agree with you. Uh, PK, there there is some good that can come out of it, and and usually when something like this happens, I think the good that can come out of it is, is a full apology. You know, where where in America have have we not said, okay, I respect that. You know, you messed up, you shouldn't have done it, and that's what I think. Uh, the 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 best advice, the the good that can come out of it is these players could say we were wrong and let you know i and i apologize i i haven't heard that yet i i and even with the steroid thing your your point about human beings and it, it, this is always the, the issue whether it's sports business any competitive environment is the temptation the rewards are great and the temptation to bend the rules or to break them for temporary gain financial gain is there all the time. And I know what happens. You know, I've been in that situation where you're, you know, very competitive and you're thinking and, and it's like, man, if I could just do this then you know, good things will happen. It's the ends justify the means question. If you feel like the ends justify the means that that is really a deep, deep personal question. You got to ask yourself as far as, ethics are concerned it doesn't work out you know when you it it gets out your 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 accomplishments are tainted which is the 2017 world series now it's always got the question mark so you know there's this the 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 study that says people would take 10 years off their life to win a gold medal i mean that that's an old study but that's what people said you know, there, there's a real interesting thing about us and our competitiveness, and it, it, it all it, it doesn't work out. Um, um, it just doesn't work out to ethically do something uh, that's wrong for short-term gain, and it it really taints what you've accomplished. And unfortunately, these guys are great players, and now you're just like, what? what, what you know, what what's going on? You you see their home splits, uh, home versus away splits, and you're like. Oh man, this, this is, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. If we would come out, those responsibles, you know, and say, I am sorry for what I did, but I did it. I think we could, that, I think we could move on, uh, PK. That would help. 
You know, there's all kinds of speculation and rumor with the way home runs have gone up the last few years and records have been smashed that there's some level of performance-enhancing drugs going on. You know, is it HGH or something, and they're not testing for it? What is it? I, I don't know. Maybe people closer to baseball know, but there's this suspicion there. And I think it goes back to what you said about, you know, the, the, it's available and the temptation's huge and the financial rewards are enormous. And the thing that I, I think that's good that has come out of all of this with the Astros – and the Red Sox is with the managers and GMs getting fired. In the future, managers and GMs are going to rip stuff out of the wall. Like, knock it off. You're going to get me fired. But from the player's perspective, whether it's PEDs or it's this, it's like Springer hasn't done an interview. He hasn't had to apologize. He presumably benefited from the trash cans and whatever else was going on. And he just got $21 million in arbitration. I mean, $21 million is an enormous pile of money for anything but for one season of baseball I, I don't see how that until the players individually get punished I, I don't see how we fixed anything here. yeah well I agree I think that's you know the commissioner had his reasoning for you know the the anonymity or the uh the uh what am I looking for the word uh not single not anonymity players. but um uh, they they weren't going to be held responsible. What you, you guys will come up with the word for their testimony? Consequence. Um, what's that? Consequence. Well, yeah, there 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 would be no consequence for their their telling the truth. They would immunity is the word immunity from got it yeah yeah okay. yeah. And he so it just leaves us in a situation where the guys that actually did it are not suffering any consequences it's really a weird a weird thing uh you know so you you got to do what's counterintuitive these players are thinking like i could just say no comment and move on it's the the you you can't do that i would respect and forgive and say okay let's move on if someone would say i messed up but but you're right dj they're they're getting millions of dollars. There's no consequences. They don't have to answer. Now, Jim Crane with the Astros said, we're, we're going to have a – he obviously was bugged by it. He said, we're going to have a day in spring training where there are some apologies. It, it just – you can't it, – it would be so good and so smart of these players. Look at those who have taken the performance enhancing drugs. Those mostly you respect and, and move on from those who said, yeah, I, I did it. I messed up. Right, you know. So you know, it it it's it's just the and let's not kid ourselves. There's issues in every sport. The guys are, you know, um, to think that there's nothing going on in the NBA or the NFL as far as uh, performance enhancing drugs is concerned is 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 naive. Uh, baseball's fighting it. We're still having problems. We're testing. We're 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 aggressive. I think we could have more aggression. Uh, but um, that there are GMs and coaches who benefited from the steroid issue that weren't addressed. And now, with this, I think with performance-enhancing drugs, you should take managers and GMs and owners, you should make them part of it, because then they will get aggressive within their own team. You're, you're right, DJ. Now that a manager and GM have been fired, I mean, if I'm a manager and I see, think a guy is taking performance 
in, enhancing drugs or or uh, doing something against the rules as far as sign stealing. I, I'm confronting him and I'm saying, you know, let's let's get with the program, stop this because we're going to all get fired. Yeah, that's this is exactly how you stop the PED thing. Is you come down hard after one or two tests, and we still got three, you know, strikes against you. We, you, you want to end it? You, you do what they did with the sign stealing thing. I, I guarantee you, there's, I, I would be totally shocked if any player says, "Hey, this is a great idea. Let's do this next <laughs> year in 2020." I got an idea. I mean, it ain't, it's, it, it, it'd be unbelievable. The manager, first of all, will rip it out of the wall because he's going to get fired. But this is this is how you end things, and so maybe that's the good. Maybe we'll learn something. But I think fans are kind of saying, I think there should have been a little bit more uh, punishments. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Dale, on the apology because you look at a, a guy like Andy Pettit who acknowledged it, and we moved on. But then you had others. You know, we know we have the Palmero of the finger wagging before Congress, and then wait a second here, and even going back. The constant, no, I didn't do it, Pete Rose thing, when the evidence was just so overwhelming that you did. And then if you would have just come out in the beginning and say, this got an addiction and I did it and I was wrong. And I don't know that because it's gambling if he still gets the Hall of Fame. But I think the, the public sympathy toward him would have certainly been better. And so... You have the situation now as we go into the Hall of Fame voting. We're seeing Bonds and Clemens getting closer and moving up into the 60 percentile where people, players, once it seems like once you, you've moved up from 30 to 60, well, the next logical step is the 75, which will get you in. But neither of those two guys, which who, both of them seem to be the under the spotlight the most as far as the PEDs, Neither of them had had said anything about any uh, acknowledgement or any sorrow about it. So how do you feel about it looks like we're moving towards them getting inducted? Well, yeah, it, that is the uh, um, the trend. And uh, I, I think that the, the big delay has kind of said, you know, OK, you know, as voters, we we know this has happened, uh, but we haven't got any direction from the Hall of Fame, and and um, you know uh, baseball look the other way. You guys, you shouldn't be. You know, there's all kinds of excuses. But I think personally, I, I still have a problem with it. It's like just look. It, it, it's kind of uh, it, it's kind of like look. I I just want to respect you and. I, I know you did it. Um, you know, <laughs> we all know what happened. Um, what, let's let's be honest. And uh, I, I guess it's just the way you look at. I can respect someone who says, you know, I messed up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, I think personally, I think uh, these guys would have had press conferences a long time ago and said they messed up. I don't think it would have hurt their Hall of Fame chances. I mean, look, they're getting in without apologizing, but it's taken 10 years. Uh, they probably would have been in sooner if, if they would have just fessed up and said, you know, it, it just, it, it, it it's kind of like uh, um, they're, I don't know, they're, 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 they're thinking we're, we're dumb. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, it's like, look, I'm not stupid. 
Um, let's just let's be honest and move on. And and so the 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 this this whole thing of it, it it's you got to just be counterintuitive about it because you you it's hard for us all of us to say we're sorry sometimes. But but it's just what what you want to be able to do is respect the other person. You know I can respect that. And and the, the the other the other way it's just hard to respect, uh, you know, a situation where you know things weren't right and and they're just like no, you know, I wasn't involved in that. It's just it's you just got to move on. The, you know, the voters have changed. You know, you know that there's younger voters. Um, and, and and let's get back to the people that have benefited from steroids, managers front office people, the game of baseball. And so I think a lot of the voters are saying, well, wait a sec, everybody else benefited, but this player, you know, isn't. I think they're just saying they should benefit. And uh, um, a lot of people benefited from this that that uh, just, you know, turned a blind eye toward it. And, uh, you know, it was a whole, it was a whole systemic um, industry-wide failure. And 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 look at this. This here's here's another thing. We're still talking about it. That that's the thing about this sign stealing thing. Let's crack down hard so we don't have to talk about it in ten years. But chances are, without a full uh, um, apology and and cracking down on it even harder, we're going to be talking about the 2017 World Series. You know, in ten years, it's a it's it's. Not good for the game. It's not good for these players. Dale, we appreciate you coming on. Derek Jeter. See, that's the good news, except for the one guy. That's right. Whoever that well, one person is. Well, and Larry is Walker, involved. by the way, I just, you know, obviously uh, Jeter was going in, and Larry Walker, I'm really happy to see that. Uh, can I just say one thing? The, 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 the guy, a guy playing in Denver, to have his numbers, it's, I, to scrutinize too much, I, I just thought that was really unfair to Larry Walker. Um, there's no – unless baseball is putting asterisks by every guy and where he played, you know, Mickey Mantle had a short right field porch in in, in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of variables. But Larry Walker put up numbers. He played in Denver that shouldn't be, shouldn't be a negative. He should have been in, in my words, in, in, in my way of thinking a long time ago, so – Congratulations to him. He was an unbelievable all-around good player. Dale, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, guys. Have a great day. There's Dale Murphy with PKNI. You can hear the entire interview online at 1280thezone.com. When we come back, the best of the postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They win. They blow out the Golden State Warriors. That's what's supposed to happen when a really good team meets a really bad team. 
And it happened. The Jazz dominated. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Golden State Warriors last night, 129 uh, to 96. The Jazz have now won 18 of their last 20 basketball games, and they absolutely smashed the Warriors last night, led by Donovan Mitchell's 23 points. Rudy Gobert had 22 to go along with his 15 rebounds. And three block shots, but really this one was after uh, over after maybe quarter number two. Let's let you hear some post game sound. Let's start with the walk off interview with David Locke and Joe Ingles. Hi, Joe. How are you? <laughs> I can see. Uh, you need to stand up so I can see you properly. <laughs> I, I am. I am standing, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> On the desk. Yes. Um, I just said that if you're a member of the Utah Jazz, it's probably a lot of fun to come to the gym every night right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously for a little while now we've kind of found out uh, our style and the way we want to play and um, it's been fun we, we, we move the ball we obviously play hard on the defensive end and um, like you said yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun there are decisions that the other team's defense has to make on every possession and they're all bad decisions it feels like can you feel that offensively right now I think we, I think just just knowing obviously what we want to do and being a, a aggressive and the, the, the amount of playmakers and scorers and shooters and the way we space and then with Rudy on the rim, um, there's obviously just a lot of options out there and um, such an unselfish team that, that different guys are going each game or each night and we, we try and go to that guy um, at, the, at the current time. So um, like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun to play and, and the unselfishness is, is obviously key to that. It's a few hours ago, you might not recall, but do you remember the first play of the game and the amount of passes on the very first play of the game? No, I got no idea. So you guys came down, and I think through seven or eight passes on the first play of the game, it was one of those pinging around the gym, and it just feels like that started the night. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've had a, a lot of those clips recently. We watched a few in our, our team sessions, and um, uh, I think... I don't know how many we've had, but it feels like it happens pretty consistently at the moment. And obviously, that's a, like I said, it's a fun way to play when you're not worried about who's shooting or who's scoring. Um, just trying to find the best shot, and I think we've been doing that recently. Joe, thanks for the time. Appreciate no worries. It. Appreciate it. Joe Ingles with us. That was Locke and Ingles as uh, Joe had 11 points on four of seven shooting. He also added eight assists and uh, is expected either, if not this morning, uh, possibly tomorrow morning, of course, to join DJ and PK for the Joe Ingles show. Let's move on and uh, get some sound from Jazz head coach, uh, Jets head coach Quinn Snyder. You guys came out with and put on a dominant show tonight and dominant win. What can be said about the level of focus right from the start from your group? Well, you know, I, I thought we did come out, um, come out focused defensively and um, did some good things on offense. And, you know, that's it's a good way to start a game. What did you see in terms of your spacing that allowed you guys to be so effective tonight on offense? Well, just that we're focused on it, and everybody's conscious of not only spacing, but, you know, spacing throughout a possession and re-spacing, um, which is something, you know, that's gotten gradually better um, throughout the course of the year. It was something we really had to talk a lot about at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, guys, I, I didn't think we were as ready to shoot early in the game, a lot of shot fakes. Um, but as the game progressed, you know, guys are looking for each other. Do you think that part of the progression of the team has been not playing down to competition and being able to come out and kind of stay up every night? Well, I just think regardless of, you know, whatever competition we've – this team's worked. You know, they've worked hard. Um, had some some weaknesses that um, gradually are becoming strengths. Um, 
there's obviously there's always more to do, um, but I think our focus has been you know been on us and playing the right way and, and defending and you know trying to be consistent with all those things. Have you seen Rudy take leaps with how he's dealing with mismatches, especially when smaller guys are on? Um, I wouldn't. I would be hesitant to talk about mismatches, frankly. Um, I think what has happened is regardless of you know who's defending him, he's. He's been maybe the best at spacing. You know, he's he hasn't sealed in the lane for too long. He's gotten flat on the baseline and created space for guys. And I think he's catching the ball so consistently, even outside his area. And, and uh, you know, to, to your point, you know, particularly in pick and roll, um, you know, it may not be a post up, um, but guys are, you know, they're they're more connected throwing him the ball. And you know, he's going and getting it. And it's good to see he's put he's. He's one of the guys that's put a lot of work in, you know, and I think as much as anything, um, his footwork when he's catching the ball, he's, he's doing some things, keeping his balance and finding people and finishing as a result. My guys had a lot, a lot of assists mm-hmm. in that opening quarter to take take a big lead, and yeah. I know it helps when, when Rudy's making baskets, but, yeah. but what does it say about the way you guys make the extra pass or make, you know, take the extra look to, to find the, the right yeah. situation? No, it's something that, you know, I think obviously our team um, values and, you know, those guys sometimes Sometimes you get to a point where you're up against the shot clock because they're making another pass. But, um, you know, it's infectious. I think when guys start doing that, and, you know, the, the shots become easier when you know that, you know, your teammates are endorsing them with an extra pass. Nice to start the two days off with some rest for the starters, too, in that quarter. Yeah, I think we've, you know, we've had an opportunity to get guys' minutes shaved down, particularly as our bench has um, been playing well for us. And, It'd be good to get, you know, a real off day tomorrow. That was Quinn Snyder after his team's 129-96 win over the Golden State Warriors. Let's now move into the locker room. Let's get things started with Donovan Mitchell. Spacing, what can be said about that tonight? Um, it's just who we are. The unselfishness, we continue to do that in every way we possibly can. I think for us, just to continue to get better. Um, and I think spacing was kind of a key factor. You know, spacing allows us to move the ball, allows us to be unselfish. Um, and we did a good job of that. What's different about the way Rudy's spacing? lately. So, question. Um, uh, I think a lot of it, you know, is getting getting to the re-spot, allowing us to attack. You know, then he has the angles to kind of get the drop-offs. You know, allows his role definitely impacts a lot of the spacing because the guys have to come in and help, and then we get out there and, and knock threes down. And you know, it's, it's it's when he gets to his spots. You know, like I said, the re-spot, being able to circle behind on, on like I said, if he misses a shot, you know, he's there for the rebound. It really helps us for sure. You guys aren't just winning lately; you're really dominating. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing there? That's the difference. Um, just the throw on the throat mentality. You know. We remember how it was at the beginning of the year, like I've said before. It's just, you know, con- continuing to continue to play, you know, play the full 40 um, and not, or, yeah, 48, excuse me. Um, I think for us, just continue to step on the throat, continue to, to continue to pressure, you know, because there are times here, as you know, we've let teams back in it, you know, we kind of, so for us to be able to, you know, sit a whole fourth quarter, you know, like, you know, I think that's 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 big time because we got a tough stretch coming up and we got to be ready for it. How much are you looking forward to having the break and knowing that you were able to rest a little bit in that fourth? Um, it's good, especially like I said, with the games coming up. I think it's big time. And like I said uh, the bench and the guys, everybody came and held it down. They continue to the ball, continue to to do what they do. And I think that's that's the biggest part. When you come, the bench comes in and continues to. We know we don't, you know, we don't fall for it. You know, we continue. They can propel us and continue to build. And you know, Rajon Tucker, Juwan, you know, those two specifically guys. You may not see Ed coming in like those guys. You may not see play as much. They're continuing to learn and build and totally being aggressive tonight, even getting ejected. Like you know, like you know that. I'm 
prefer that I mean, not every game but like you know like the, the mentality the aggression you know that's something we haven't seen in the past two years and you know, he's really coming into his own I'm, I'm really happy for those guys I know you guys got a days off and that you know you want to say that every team they've got good players and every team is hard to get a win but you've got a rough stretch yeah we got a tough one we got a tough stretch but I think for us I wouldn't say it's rough for say I think it's more so just a challenge it's just to us to figure out you know you know we, we had a challenge two games ago or last game um, and I think we stepped up to it but now it's a matter of can we do it on a consistent basis you know that's the big question you know but at the end of the day we're going to continue to do what we do and you know we're not going to change how we play because of who we play we're going to go out there and just guard it the same way and, and move the ball Rudy was obviously very good when you first joined the Jazz but what I mean how has he developed even further in these I think last for him um, the biggest thing is you know obviously we all know defensively so I won't really speak on that but offensively you know being patient um, being able to catch the ball you know there are times obviously we all know there's times where he you know in my past few years where he maybe some of the past he catches this he doesn't catch he's put an emphasis into that you know being able to get to his to get to his spots you know be able to get to the read spot being able to allow us to create in the unselfishness I think that's one thing he's really improved on for sure we've talked about how you two play together kind of in the pick and roll does the spacing help that with the shooting around yeah kind of yeah, yeah huge I think it allows you know especially for me I think it allows myself to kind of be aggressive you know and not have to worry about you know guys shifting in certain places and, and if they do making the right play you know I'm I'm having no problem making the extra right pass, and I think I don't think he does either. You know, so it makes it really easy. And speaking with a lot of coaches around the league, they say that their criteria when they're picking the All-Star reserves has a lot to do with winning. So this close to win, all that's being announced, do you think that gives maybe Rudy a chance to yeah. a better chance? Yeah, for sure. I think you know, for us, just continue to win. I think that's all we really focus on, and continue to go out there and do what we do. For sure. That was Donovan Mitchell, 23 points. Incredibly efficient night for uh, Donovan, 8 of 13, shooting 4 of 8 from 3, as he was fantastic. Let's now let you hear from uh, Mike Conley. Right now, in the domination and the dominating wins, what do you see as the turnaround and the change? Um, I think it's just really, you know, the way that our discipline and how we come out, you know, to start the games and, and locked in on our opponents each night. You know, no matter who we play, uh, we come to the same focus and, um, you build consistency that way, and right now we're just you know kind of clicking on all cylinders. You've had a chance to see Rudy um, over the course of this season so far. What have you seen in terms of the way he's developed on offense, the spacing that he's creating, and, and the pick and roll action? Well, I think throughout the year he's just he's gotten better and better at, at being able to receive the ball in different positions. And not beginning of the year, you know, we were throwing lobs to him, but now he's posting up, he's getting you know slashing, he's catching up the elbow and making plays for other guys and um, I mean, he's doing that and you know aside from what he does in the defensive end it's I mean he's an all-star and he's playing like it. You guys since December 11th have significantly turned things around the hottest team in the NBA number one in so many categories on offense how do you feel about the way your offense is moving right now? Uh, I mean, it's fun it's just fun basketball right now you know guys are, are really taking to heart you know the unselfish play and making, making an extra pass for each other and um, it becomes contagious locker room, you know, fun team to be around and you know, we're just having a good time. Lastly, you have a day off. <laughs> you get to enjoy a nice day off for well, first time for this group for a while. Yeah, huh? yeah, it'll be good. They, they haven't had one. I've yeah. had a few, but uh, you know, uh, it'll be good for everybody to just go home and kick their feet up for a day and uh, lock back in for the next opponent. That was Mike Conley. He came in off the bench. He played 19 minutes, 
4 of 10 shooting, 8 points, 1 rebound. He had an assist and a steal as well as he continues to get integrated into this Jazz lineup. But they absolutely smashed the Golden State Warriors 129-96. to They're now 31-13 and on the year, 14-10 and on the road. They now return home for a Saturday afternoon showdown with the Dallas Mavericks. That game will tip off at 3. Pre-game coverage here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone will begin at 2. There's the best of the post-game show when we come back. Andy Bailey joins us from Bleacher Report and Forbes.com to talk jazz and NBA basketball. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Purchase a Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat ticket now. We're joined now by Andy Bailey. Covers the Utah Jazz and NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? We're good. There are many questions involving the Jazz, but I think the first one to get out of the way is, are they really this good? Forget October and November and that first week in December. What they've done since mid-December on, is that the real Jazz? Is it going to continue? So I think maybe it's somewhere in the middle. I I think the concerns about the schedule softening up before they went on this run are probably fair. Um, You know, they've beaten beaten up on a lot of sub-500 teams. Uh, their record against 500-plus teams is still below uh, 500. But I, I do think they're clearly a better team than what we saw at the start of the season. Um, th- this is more like what I expected uh, coming into the year. It'll be interesting to see how they go through another little development phase that I think is coming. The, the schedule is going to get harder, and Mike Conley is back, so maybe there's an adjustment period. How do we reintegrate him into what we've been doing uh, over the last couple of months? But the way the ball is moving, um, the way Joe Ingles has played recently, uh, just the, the the offense being better generally, is it just looks a lot more like what I expected. So they're probably, in terms of like where they're going to end up in the West, um, I, I think this is about where they should be. There, the, the, there was always going to be a huge mix of good teams in the middle of the Western Conference, and and they were always going to be a part of it. So you touched on a couple of the reasons. If you had to narrow down one, is it Joe in the starting lineup and then the ball moving, or is it something else? I think Joe in the starting lineup is huge. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of reason for sports journalists to question Quinn Snyder. I, you know, he's clearly one of the better coaches in the NBA. Um, just thinks, of, thinks about the game on a very complex level. But when I heard that it was going to be Royce O'Neal um, starting in place of Ingles at the start of the season, I was a little bit confused. Um, I, I understood the logic behind it. You want Ingles on the bench unit to kind of, you know, pilot those reserves. Um, but expecting him to carry a backup, a group of backup guys, it just didn't really seem like his thing. He's always been more of a low usage playoff of stars type of a player. And the his, his splits 
between when he's a reserve and when he's a starter, the, the difference is staggering. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach that issue going forward because they have, they have six NBA starters. Um, that's, that's just the fact at this point. It's hard to demote Royce O'Neal because he's been phenomenal as a starter too. Um, bringing Mike Conley off the bench is, is weird for obvious reasons. He makes a ton of money. He's, he's the highest paid player on the team. He's a 12 year veteran. They just traded three players and picks to get him. Um, so it's going to be a hard thing to navigate. I think the easy out is probably bringing O'Neal off the bench. Um, and just having a ton of playmaking out there with Ingles, Mitchell, Conley, Bogdanovich. Um, but <laughs> I guess I've kind of rambled away from your original question. I do think Joe Ingles is a huge part of it. And I think just getting used to each other. Um, there, there's a lot more turnover on the Jazz roster-wise than I think a lot of people realize. Um, Ingles on Zach Lowe's podcast recently said something like he and Gobert, I, I think, are the only two left from when he yeah, first started are. on the Jazz. It was so excellent it, it they got rid of him. time to get used to it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think that with the Conley thing, if I were in charge, and I'm sure there's millions of people who are happy that I'm not, but if I were, <laughs> if I were, I think I'd slow play Conley back to the starting lineup. My goal would be to put him back in the starting lineup and to, and to sit Royce O'Neal. But I think I wouldn't do it. I would slow play it until I saw the team hit a rough patch. And I would use that change maybe to jumpstart things. Maybe it would you know, legitimately be an upgrade that would make it easier to win. Maybe just the psychology of it would be a positive. But I don't think I'd make the move while they're just on this hot streak just tearing off wins. I don't think I'd mess with that chemistry. And I think Mike is plenty savvy enough to figure out what's going on without even being told. Although as a coach, I would probably sit down and tell him anyway. But I think he'd know the words that were coming out of my mouth before they were coming out of my mouth. Would you handle it like that? I, I think that's a very convincing case you just laid out there. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and I kind of, when when it became clear that they were going to bring him off the bench for that first game that he came back, I kind of thought it would be interesting to see how long they do this. Um, and I, I think the reasons, even though you're not in charge of the Jazz, I, I think there could be a lot of what you just said actually happening um, behind the scenes. I don't think they want to break up what's been going on. They're, they're clearly playing extremely well right now. And then the, the, the obvious difference between Mike Conley and Joe Ingles, um, Mike Conley has led groups of, you know, four, three or four guys that aren't quite on his level. Um, he, he was the lone star in Memphis right after Mark Gasol left, obviously. He's, he's had the experience of carrying, um, I don't want to say subpar lineups, but, but maybe lineups where he just had to do a lot of heavy lifting. And so I don't think that'll be, that'll feel foreign to him. I mean, coming off the bench is kind of a foreign concept for Mike Conley, but but kind of lifting the offensive load is not. And so I think if they slow play it and they continue to kind of do what they've been doing, I, I think he'll be very comfortable there. And then one, one thing I haven't thought of that you just brought up I think is really smart is maybe you wait until they hit a bump in the road or a hiccup or whatever we want to call it. Then you plug him back in there, get some juice in the lineup, get some juice back in the fans. Um, I, I think that's a really smart way to approach this. So you speak of this is probably where they're supposed to be, and that's pretty good, but everybody wants more. We want the ultimate prize. How much do you think or how far do you think that is away in terms of the ultimate prize, assuming that you think that the Lakers and Clippers are better? I think they could win the title this season. Um, 
if I'm being honest. This is this the season generally is playing out about how I expected coming in. I thought there's probably seven or eight teams you could make a reasonable argument could win it all, and I still think that's the case. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers may be ahead of them in the standings right now, but I I don't mind those matchups in the playoffs. I think Utah is very well equipped to take on anyone in the playoffs. They have the best defensive player, um, not just in the NBA right now, but he's, to me, Rudy Gobert is entering all-time great defensive level. Um, And and this comparison has been made a few times. I've I've done it myself. Uh, But the Detroit Pistons won a title built around a defensive anchor in Ben Wallace. And I think Rudy Gobert is a bigger and much, much, much better offensively, um, much better offensive version of Ben Wallace, and they've surrounded him with just the perfect complementary pieces. Um, the shooting surrounding him when you've got Mitchell and Bogdanovich and Ingles out there, uh, even Royce O'Neal, obviously, he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. The, what, what he does is a rim roller. Um, you know, everybody says you need, you need a couple stars to win a title, and I think Utah's already there. Uh, Rudy Gobert to me is a top ten impact guy, regardless of what other you know fan bases and writers around the league will say. He's clearly there, and I think Donovan Mitchell is probably top twenty to top twenty five. So I think they've got the two star model already checked off, whether people realize it or not. And I think you know, I'm not saying they will win the title this season. Certainly, there's just there's so many good teams in the NBA right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I think they're very much in that group of teams. So one thing the uh, the Jazz have going for them is the bench, which I think we know the bench was bad early. I think the bench early in the season had the problem that the whole team had last year. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't spread the floor. I think Joe's bad start was that when Joe drove into the paint, there were three or four bodies there and he couldn't score. He couldn't hit threes because they never left him because they didn't respect the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get any assists because when he threw it to other guys, he missed the shots. And I think... There's a little bit of that with Conley. Plus, I also think that Conley was learning the new system, and he was putting pressure on himself. And I think him sitting out, he figures all that out. But I think missed in all of this, the bench has been outrageously good. And I, if they continue that, how important do you think that'll be in the playoffs? Because benches get shortened in the playoffs usually. Stars play more. You don't have back-to-backs very often, if at all. And longer TV timeouts, guys can play bigger minutes. You know, Le- LeBron and Kawhi just aren't coming off the floor that that long for the, you know for that that much time. So this bench is an awesome advantage right now, just as it was a huge detriment early in the year. But is it going to be minimized in the playoffs? Yeah, I think teams that are built on depth generally do a little bit better in the regular season than the playoffs, and that's been kind of Utah's M.O. for a few years. They've always been one of the deeper teams in the league, so it's kind of weird to see the bench um, struggling the way it did at the start of the season. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, Utah's got six starters, and so if they shorten their rotation to seven or eight guys in the playoffs, I, I, I again, I still think they're going to be really, really good. Um, if your bench is suddenly just Clarkson, um, George Niang, Royce O'Neal, I, I think you can survive. One concern, obviously, I think would be backup five, but you only need you know, 10, 12 minutes of that. Uh, and, and if you don't just completely fall off a cliff while Tony Bradley's out there or whoever it may be, I think you'll be okay. Um, the other thing about the way this team is built that kind of bore out throughout the season, even when they were playing rough, is the starting five is really good. Um, 
when my comedy went down, I can't remember the exact numbers now, and I won't be able to look them up, but I think Utah's starting five, the one with Conley uh, and O'Neal, was number two in plus minus, just total plus minus over the course of the season. So it was very obvious that it was the bench that was causing the problem. And obviously your starting five is going to be really, really important when the playoffs starts. And so I think the bench uh, sort of rebounding has been huge, and I think it's a big part of this turnaround. But the strength of this team is always going to be at the top. Um, again, I, I think they have a legit two stars. I think Boyan Bogdanovich is he, he's just been phenomenal this season. I wouldn't. I, I might even call him a star the way that he's played this season. So there's a ton of talent on this team. It's interesting that it just took a couple of little you know quirks or tweaks to get the bench back on track. I was real surprised by the Jeff Green release, but it's it's made a big difference. And the Dante Exum trade has really helped. Obviously, Clarkson's been a nice spark. Um, they didn't have to do anything drastic. They just made these little moves on the fringes and, and really uh, beefed up the team for sure. So Houston slump for real or just that, a slump? I would probably say just a slump. I, I still would have them in the group of teams that I could see winning it all. But, th- this again, this is another thing that's kind of playing out the way a lot of people expected. Um, one of the huge advantages of having Chris Paul – on that team for Houston was that you, you couldn't double team James Harden the way teams are now uh, because that guy can actually shoot. I mean, the degree to which defenses have ignored Westbrook this season has been kind of alarming and he's on a nice little, you know, run himself recently. So maybe, maybe he's going to force teams to rethink that strategy a little bit, but James Harden looks worn down. Um, the the clash in terms of you know these are these are two guys that both need the ball a ton I think that's coming to fruition a little bit um, and it's just it's kind of hard to as a player I think find you know rhythm and chemistry when you just have to sit around and watch those other two guys do their thing and and you might catch the ball in the corner and have to fling it up for a three with you know five seconds left on the shot clock it's just a lot easier when the ball's zipping around. Um, everybody touches it, everybody gets a chance to shoot, kind of how the 2014 Spurs played or, or some of those Warriors teams or how the Jazz have played under Quinn Snyder. I think that just kind of lifts everybody. Um, but having said all that, they still have a guy who's just unreal offensively. The fact that he can put up the numbers he does, with the attention that he does in James Harden is just ridiculous. Um, that he's wearing down a little bit already probably doesn't bode well for the playoffs. But I, I think I would still have them in that group, maybe maybe on the bubble, but they're, they, they at least have one foot in there. Jazz are going to host the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, and the Mavericks have a weird home-road split. They are much better on the road than they are at home. They're only a couple games over five hundred at home. That's how most, teams, most good teams are on the road. In the 14 of their first 19 road games, they win. No, nobody wins at that clip, especially when your home clip is what it is. Any explanation for why they're flip-flopped? No, that is bizarre. Um, and I honestly didn't even know that. And, and traditionally, I think Dallas is one of those teams that has a real strong uh, home record, even in the, the down years that they've had recently before Doncic showed up. It always seemed like they were going to be competitive at home, so that's kind of a weird thing to to put a finger on and try to figure out what's going on. Um, I think that's a game that Utah should probably be okay in. Um, obviously, that it's just awful news what happened to Dwight Powell. He's been a really important part of their team, and it looks like he just tore his Achilles. 
um, when he and Doncic are on the floor together, I, I looked this up in the wake of that injury, but their point differential per 100 possessions was in like the 98th percentile when those two played. He was just such a nice compliment to Doncic, a great rim roller. He's even added a little bit of range this season. So I think that hurts them. It'll be really interesting to see how they use Porzingis now. Um, you know, I've always thought he would be best at the five uh, as sort of a playmaking stretch five, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they use him that way now. A, a staple of Rick Carlisle's offense over the years has been rim runners. Um, you know, Tyson Chandler was the guy when they won the title. Uh, Brandon Wright randomly had a couple amazing years there just because he was running that, that Mavericks offense, and then it's been Dwight Powell here lately. So it's it's obviously just terrible uh, for Dallas and for Dwight Powell, but Utah gets them um, at home without him. I, I think that's a game that they should probably take care of. Well, Andy, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will uh, talk to you again later in the season. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey. You can read his work, Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. There's Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report and Forbes.com covering the Utah Jazz. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, what is trending? And all the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.